welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Delighted uh, to welcome Susan. Susan, is this your second time presenting? This, yeah, and my last. I'm just going to put that out there now. <laughs> so I think that means Susan, Sarah and Rob are joined tied top with two books each. So... This is actually really, really top good book, uh, Susan. I think that's what drove the sort of the interest that Rob was talking about, that we've doubled the amount of subscribers this week. Um, mm. Look, I'll, I'll let you introduce it and, and, and take it away. Lovely. Well, thank you, Declan, and thank you, Rob. Um, and the great thing about this book club is that it's the conversation after I've done my review. So um, try and keep it not too long so that we can have that conversation. You know, to be honest, right, I am a little bit jaded from the whole narrative around men versus women in the workplace, okay? And when the author of this book, How Women Rise, Sally Helgenson, was being interviewed by Network Cork, I went along with a very open mind. I never read the book before I met her, and um, I didn't do any research into who Sally was. But I very much liked her message. And I guess more importantly, I recognized my some of my behaviors in the habits that she talked about. So I immediately went out and I bought the book. And it's a great book. And it's one of my favorite styles of book in terms of it's very easy to read. She gives great examples to back up her points. And you can dip in and out of it. But there's a feeling about the book in terms of it doesn't beat you up, even though you might recognize the behaviors in it um, in yourself. It is a book about positive intent, which is all about me as well. I guess most importantly, these behaviors can be found in both men and women. So. And like all behaviors in both men and women, sometimes one behavior would have a stronger hold over us than another behavior. But ultimately, through their through Sally's research, she has found that these behaviors that she calls out in her book to be more commonly known in women. Sally herself has been um, cited by Forbes Book Club to be a leadership guru. And her great friend is um, Marshall Goldsmith, who wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And in that book, which I see a few nods that people are familiar with it, in that book, he, Marshall suggests that men need to learn how to apologize. And Sally was saying that actually women, that's something women don't need to do because often women like start every conversation with I'm sorry. So she decided to work with um, Marshall and, and in 20, 2018, they both co-wrote this book um, identifying the 12 habits that they believe are holding women back from being recognized in the workplace. So the 12 habits are, and um, they're not in the particular order of the book, but and they're not necessarily in my particular order, but the first one I'm going to talk, to, talk about is the one that maybe I resonated with the most, which is called expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward you for your contribution. And I 
I really could relate to this, you know, and Sally said that she did a survey of potential women who were to be made partners in a legal firm. And she asked, what were they best known for? And what were they not known for? And they were all best known for great quality of work, detail to work. But what they weren't known for was the quantity of work they did. And she gives an example of Maureen, who very much wanted to be made a partner and um, was constantly being overlooked for partnership, never saw it happening. And um, she went away and she got herself an offer from a rival firm. And when she handed in her notice, her manager said, like, I didn't know you wanted to be made a partner. Like, we'll make you a partner. Don't go anywhere. And the learning here really is that um, you need to vocal um, what you want in the workplace for them to know about it. And believing that you are doing good work and that this great work will get you noticed is never going to happen. And it's definitely never going to happen due to the speed that we work in workplaces. And now just thinking about all our remote working, it's never going to happen. So you have to think of a way of how you can develop um, an elevator pitch is what um, Sally refers it to that highlights your vision and mission of what you would like um, to your senior leadership team. And um, she talks about the elevator pitch. And if anyone isn't aware of that, it's it's something like, well, I would suggest 90 seconds, 140 words that you can say that you're very comfortable with, that if you're in a lift, um, or as they would say in the US, an elevator, that you would say it between the first floor and the top floor. So the point being is that you need to be your biggest cheerleader because nobody else is going to do it for you. The second common habit that is in both men and women is known as over, overvaluing expertise. And women place a massive amount of attention of doing their job right, needing to know every single detail of their job and not being able to... Um, think about looking up and away from their job unless they're operating at 110%. And as great as this is, and it might be a competency that got you to where you are today, um, but for women, it can create a undue stress because they are always trying to be the, they're always trying to learn their job. They're always trying to raise that bar that only themselves are doing, that only themselves can raise that bar. And by doing that, what they, by being on that constant treadmill, what they are failing to do is build relationships. And what they're failing to do is look outside of the job that they have. They say that although it might be nice to hear that you're indispensable in your current role, and although it might be nice to hear that you're really good at your current job, what that is preventing you is from being looked at for promotion um, because your current manager doesn't want to leave you. And also what it gives the impression is that you are too much into the detail that you can't think strategically. 
and you can't look at a broader scope of your job and therefore again maybe restricting your way of being um, promoted so under this habit um, Sahi speaks about four types of of four types of power and the first of the power is the expertise which is what we all need to deliver in our current role but if this expert if this power is at the ex expense of the other kinds of power it's going to hold you back the second kind of power is the power of connections and knowing who to know connections can help you get resources they can get you noticed and i guess in my view looking at um how women can help get promoted at work this is probably one of the most important powers that you need to have um men are naturally better at building those connections than women and there is another habit that we'll come to to talk about how you leverage those relationships the third kind of power is your personal authority or the confidence you inspire in others and this is built on your listening and your speaking skills it is also built on how you build trust in your capability and then the final final power that she speaks about is the position or where you are in the organization so if you remember i mentioned that this this habit is found in both men and women and what they would say again maybe um something that we're quite familiar with um from the harvard business review um if looking at a job description a woman will only apply for the job if she can do 100% of the duties where a man will apply for the job if they can do 60% of the duties and it's not about confidence and it's not about um believing in yourself it's around your ability and your belief that you have the skills to be able to learn how to do that job and the next habit is very similar to this which is around the perfectionist habit and um in the interview that I heard her speaking she mentioned about how perfectionism is often a female trait developed from childhood females are naturally um good at detail they're naturally very um competent you know they follow things through and um they're more dutiful and um attention to detail and this can get them promoted so far and it can be um a real competency to help you get pr- promoted but again if you're too much into the detail it may be seen that you're lacking the strategic vision that might be required for a senior role being a perfectionist can also hold you back in terms of you not being able to delegate and um one that would really strike with me around um perfectionist is the negative mindset that this can create in your head because you're always constantly looking at the things that you did wrong or the things that you're not happy with rather than thinking about how to move forward and how to come up with creative suggestions and creative ideas of um how you can move on from an error and a mistake and finally i guess perfectionist as sally would say causes undue stress both for yourself which we can relate to but also for your team members and she says nobody has said that they have enjoyed working for a manager who's a perfectionist 
And thinking about that for myself, I think that, you know, if you are reporting into a perfectionist, you're really stifling that creativity and that diversity of thought. Because if you're in meetings and if you're in um, conversations with a perfectionist, you're going to be slow to suggest new ideas. You're going to be slow to try out um new concepts because again if it doesn't work if it if it doesn't go the way you want there will be um no room to say to accept it so another habit that can be found in both men and women is speaking when we're emotional and i think we can all have a secret smile about we've done that men often speak emotionally when they're really, really angry or they've got very annoyed. Now, and, and you know, in um, um, Marshall's book, he talks about um, the anger that comes out in men when they are feeling that, you know, how they give out to their team. Now, women also react in anger, but they're more likely to just emotions in the form of anxiety, resentment, frustration or fear. And this part is really important, I think, in that Sally is very clear in the book that emotions is not the problem, as there's no good or bad emotions, and that emotions can provide you with some really valuable information as to what's going on. Feeling and identifying your emotions is what gives you power. Reacting to it makes you lose that power. And I think that's very key when we're thinking about how we communicate when we're feeling emotion, emotionally. Interestingly, research has also shown that women spend an average, uh, sorry, women speak an average of 20,000 words a day. My husband thoroughly enjoyed this comment, where men only speak the 7,000 words a day. And so it isn't very surprising that women often hear the comments like, she never gets to the point, she's very long-winded, um, I get lost in what she's saying to me. So women need to learn how to be more concise and get to the point in their communication faster. And sometimes, you know, there is no need to give all the background information to their point of their idea, but just to give the points. And she says, again, women see communications as a way to continue to build friendships and to continue to build those relationships at work. But men just see it as a way of them saying too much. Another habit that she talks about, and again, one that I would be quite passionate about, is the ruminating. Ruminating is where you cling onto the past and you put all your energy into rewriting events. And uh, I did a, some research on rumination recently. And, you know, it has been known to be the silent mental health problem because of the um, impact it can have on people in terms of anxiety and stress. And, you know, it's often underestimated. Now, again, both men and women can derail themselves by thinking of the past. But Marshall research says that men tend to blame others for what they believe went wrong, and they make their regret outwards, where women tend to regret inwards and blame themselves. So ruminating is counterproductive for two reasons. First, it, it has the ability to make you feel worse and to make you feel um, 
that you know to continuously beat yourself up but secondly it also can get in the way of you solving the problem and coming up with a creative solution to whatever has gone wrong now in the book Sally suggests that um, for you to help overcome the habit of ruminating it is around catching those thoughts when you find yourself going down that spiral path which let's face it that's very easy to say than do so it is though about recognizing when you're using negative language um, to beat yourself up, catching it and just changing that language that you're using on yourself, changing that narrative. So the sixth habit is known as letting your radar distract you. Now, again, this is a double-edged sword because one of the strengths of women is their capability to notice a lot of things at once. And neuroscience research has shown that when women process information, their brains light up in lots of different regions. Where when men process information, their brains tend to concentrate on one area only. So although that this can be a great, great strength of women to be able to take in a lot of information and to develop a really you know, sweep of um, the room, um, if they have trouble filtering that information, it can derail them. And she gives a brilliant example in the book of a person giving a presentation talk. The, the lady has stood up, she has scanned the room, she's taken in lots of information, she's feeling very confident, she starts her presentation. But part of that is that she spots someone in the front row of the audience who is not enjoying the presentation for whatever reason. And she allows that filter influence her whole thought process around what is um, going on. And, you know, starts to tell herself, you know, the narrative like, nobody's enjoying my presentation. This is a useless, I'm useless. I've done this all wrong. And again, she's, this person, this female has allowed this habit of um, allowing a piece of information filter into her brain to derail her off her goal. So what Sally suggests is that we can't ignore our thoughts um, because our thoughts, again, are very, very powerful, but just don't allow ourselves to get caught up in our thoughts that not that is not part of what the end goal is. And if we find ourselves happening, again, to reframe that so in the example of um, the presentation and the gentleman who is looking to be disengaged, maybe to just remind yourself that might have absolutely nothing to do with the presentation. He might have just had a fight with his wife or something like that before he came in. So the seventh habit is another one that I think we can all relate to. Um, maybe it's a little bit of an Irish trait and maybe that's just a sweeping statement but it's the reluctance to claim our achievements. And um, it is a title that suggests that our shyness in using the word I and telling our manager and our senior team what we have achieved. And Sally says in her book that this happens at all levels of the organization. And um, she says that there are two main reasons why it happens. The first 
is that we don't want to be known as the jerk who is constantly talking about themselves and constantly only talking about how great they are. And secondly, it is thinking that our great work will speak for itself. But as we know from our first habit, our great work often goes unrecognized if we don't speak about it and let people know about it. And what resonated with me in this habit is um, my uncomfortableness um, to accept praise, um, to accept that I've done a good job, to accept credit where it was due. And again, what Marshall has said in the book is that when that happens, and if that is something that you're always deflecting and the praise that you're receiving, just to say a simple thank you. And rather than saying, thank you, um, I got lucky, uh, thank you, I had a great team, uh, thank you, yes, didn't we, we all do a good job, just stop after thank you and get used to receiving um, credit for a good Sally goes on, and I think this is really interesting and important, that not claiming credit to your achievements may cost you for your career, because if you don't speak to the value of what you're contributing, maybe people will think that you don't put much value into the standard of work you're delivering. So it's an interesting way to think about claiming your achievements. So the Eighth habit um, is one that I mentioned earlier, which is around building relationships rather than leveraging relationships. And again, one that I can really relate to. And again, it is a strength of women that they are very good at building relationships. They are very good at maintaining those relationships, but they're not very good at leveraging them. And both um, Sally and Marshall see the reluctance of women not leveraging their relationships to be a key stumbling, um, a holdback block for them to be um, promoted. And again, it comes down to that women can often feel very uncomfortable asking for something um, um, because they feel that they may feel that it undervalues their relationship. It may feel that um, women feel that they feel like that they're using people or that others will think that they're using them. And um, sometimes in some women, the research has shown that women don't like to leverage relationships because they feel that they're playing political games and they don't want to play those games in the workplace. But what they speak about in the book around the leveraging of relationships is how it's the mutual benefit for both parties. So as much as you are asking someone for help, someone else might be asking you for help. And it all works out that everybody is helping each other. And um, it says that women build relationships as they want people to like them, but men build relationships with people they want to support them or, for, or help them. So there's um, four other habits in the book, but I'm not going to go into them in great detail here. The first one is failing to enlist allies, allies sorry, from day one. The second one is putting your job before your career. The third one is the desire to please. And the fourth one is minimizing. 
Um, and it's really just in the interest of time that I'm not going to go through them because at the end of the book, uh, once Sally and has discussed the 12 habits and given us some great examples, she talks about how you can change your habit. And um, she has four great, well, five great suggestions, I think it is. And the first suggestion is just to start with one thing. So again, if you're anything like me, I was able to take a good number of those habits of things that I need to improve on. And she said, um, that is not going to lead you for success. Um, you just choose one and you concentrate on that. And she says, excuse me, and something that we've spoken about in other books that we've reviewed here, that to make sustainable and lasting change requires focus. Um, because as we now know, you can only concentrate on one thing, concentrate it on over and over and over again until you embed that new behavior into your brain to get long-term results. She also suggests that, um, and maybe some of you will have noticed, that there is some overlapping in the habits. And her suggestion is that you identify the habits that overlap for you. So, for example, the, the one that struck me is the overlapping between um, claiming your achievements and expecting others to spontaneously notice your work. Both of these habits are rooted in the belief that blowing your own trumpet um, is obnoxious and that there is a fear of you being um, perceived as being too ambitious. So once you've identified the habits that are overlapping and the clusters, you can then start to figure out which are the ones that you want to work on. And then she suggests that you break down the problem behavior that you have and um, decide on concrete specific habits that you want to change. So her second example, or her second tip, I should say, for helping you overcome your habits is not to do it alone. And to ask someone who you trust, either that be your colleague or a friend or a boss, to become an accountability partner for you. And I guess I like this idea, again, because if you tell someone what you're going to do and the behavior you're going to try on, it makes you accountable and it stops you going back onto autopilot and going back into that behavior. She suggests, of course, that this keeps you on track and um, helps you um, make sustainable changes. She also suggests that you ask someone in the workplace who can help you point out the behavior that you're trying to change when, um, when you're doing it. So, for example, if you are somebody who constantly apologizes at work and, you, you know, you start every meeting with saying, I'm sorry, maybe you ask someone who you're working very closely with that they can give you the nod or the wink if you are apologizing so that you become aware of that habit. And especially if it's a habit that is so ingrained in you that you don't um, even realize that you're doing it. And she gives us five tips of how we can ask for help. And um, just, I thought they were interesting. And so um, just to go through them here now, choose wisely. So choose someone that you trust. Um, be precise in what you're asking them to look for. Um, remember to be concise 
Um, so she says, you know, be aware that the other person could be very, very busy. Um, so be brief with, you, with your ask of them. Um, the fourth one is remember that disclosure is not the point. So this is good, and especially if you're someone who goes into a lot of detail, in that this is not about going into why you want to change this behavior. This is not about looking back and seeing where all the times that you've gone wrong, but it's more about just identifying the habit that you want to change. And then the last point is to make it time-bound. So the... The fourth tip that she gives us to help us change um, our behavior is to not to beat yourself up. At, um, and she calls it letting go of judgment. And she has a great term. And um, I think, Eva, you might have attended that meeting with her. She spoke about the all well. And that really resonated with me as well at the meeting, uh, at the interview we attended. And she uses that. So... Every time something happens that you're not happy with or you want to beat yourself up with, say, oh, well, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, well, I messed up. Oh, well, I'm not perfect. And she says that by saying, oh, well, it signals your self-acceptance that this is OK. It signals that you are ready to move on. And she also suggests, uh, and it's also a Marshall Goldsmith tool. So um, I really like that. Um, it's a way of capturing, catching your thoughts when you're starting to spiral into maybe something negative and beating yourself up by just saying, oh, well. And finally, she talks about, um, comes back to a full loop about what got you here. And she says that we all need to remember our strengths. We need to remember what our skills are. We need to remember um, where we are. Um, and we are somewhere in the career path because of what we have brought to the organization. Um, and we just need to look at what are our limiting behaviors that may prevent us from going to the next level, if that's what we want. And that's it. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I had my own personal um, <laughs> tool there coming to say hello to us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. oh well. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Susan, like you said, I attended that talk and I've read the book, and it's just um making me realize how much our heads are like sieves because other than ruminating, I couldn't remember the other 11 and I mean I listened to her that night too but so it was a great reminder thank you oh yeah my biggest learning today really was to really learn a book or know a book you should do this review at a book club because it really you get into the details of being mindful of everything because you want to capture the points so I hear you on that one Aoife yeah it's like when you have to teach a class like you have to know it really well to be able to talk comfortably about something otherwise yeah, yeah it's hard yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 do you think like these habits are are is that part of the reason why there's more men at senior levels or is it like all the other sort of cultural things and women taking time out of the workforce and whatever and and like do you see a lot of these holding women back from from moving into to leadership roles 
Do you know, I do, Aoife. Like, I was um, working with a senior leader this week, actually, and these habits, some of these habits came up, right? She is about to be promoted to senior director, but she wants to be VP. But she, and she's read this book because I mentioned it to her. She hasn't told anyone about her ambition to be Mm. VP. She hasn't told her boss or her boss's boss that um, she is willing to move to the U.S., isn't that interesting? Yeah. She, um, the head of HR and the CFO have both asked her for quarterly catch-ups and she's never had time to do them, yet she wants to be a VP. So she's not leveraging her relationships mm. again. You know, so I do think that as much as I hated it, because I honestly, right, I'm not a big fan of the male-female um, conversation. But when you go through it with a female lens, you actually do see a lot of the behaviors the mm. females have that you just, yeah. 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 So I do, I think there is a parallel of us in that. But over to Rob and Dedlin and the other men on the call to see do they what they think. Yeah, for me, it, it, it's strange because I, I can resonate with a couple of those habits completely. I, I, I don't know if they're distinctly uh, just related to that male-female dynamic, but, you know, the, the, that tendency to maybe uh, overthink and to not say what you really mean and, and go after your demands and to, and to be outwardly assertive, I think, about mm. your value. I, I think that's that's something I completely resonate with. And uh, I can see how that, um, that struggle puts a seething on you. Mm. And I, I think Aoife's point there is that then... When you when you add a lot of cultural factors in at play, that creates another layer on top of that, and you can see then why it is such an imbalance. I think at that real upper echelons of of organisations. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, of the eight or nine, I think you you read out about eight in detail, Susan. Right on. Yeah, definitely six or seven. I'd say the yeah. the first one was the one that I, that's come up in some of the work I do around the diversity, equity, and inclusion, and exactly that where. If I saw a job, I would would absolutely go for it, even if I had only had fifty percent of of it, you know, because I would. And it's not a, a not a. I, I wouldn't even put it down to the full belief that I'll get it. I'd rather just go and learn from not getting it in a way, you know. Sometimes you might learn something by just putting your hat in the ring, um, rather than thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll get it" or whatever. But that one certainly is the one that that seems to come up a good lot. Um, w- would you say, I guess, and this open it to to all? Um, are any of those more weighted than the others? Would one hold more impact, uh, you know, than than any of the others, or is it, it? Would it depend on on the person? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly in the book, they're not rate, rated at all. Um, and I, I, like personally, I th- probably think it's not telling your manager the work that you're doing, the good work that you're doing. Um, I, I think that's huge. For me, in my career, that was the turning point when I started talking to my manager about the work that I was doing rather than just working independently. And again, um, talking to Aoife about the introverted style, you know, we, we struggle with introverted females struggle with talking about the eye and we just get on and we just do it Um, so that one for me would be a big one I think sorry go ahead 
I was going to say the perfectionist one really uh, stood out to me. Um, And it's not the first time I've heard it, but it's only the second, interestingly enough. And I I got that feedback personally about a year ago to say, you know, because you're so, you know, technically strong and so good at this thing, there's people in the room that might be afraid to come up with stupid ideas or suggestions because... They know you'll know the answer. They'll know you'll, you know, and not that you'd necessarily belittle them, but they're 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 just afraid. And I never, because I was always, you know, it wouldn't have been reporting to me, but it would have been in a leadership role. And I was I was quite surprised. And then to reflect on it, to go, yeah, it can be off putting when there's someone in the room who's going to know a hundred percent of something because if you're eighty or eighty five percent there. And you're, you know, maybe a little bit more junior or just not not feeling too confident. You might be afraid to speak up. And I, you know, that's definitely one that um that I think the concept of I see my niece who's only nine versus her brother who's also nine, the little girl being perfectionist. Um, you know, I think that probably is a female trait. Obviously, there are men that are perfectionists as well, but it probably is more um more common in females. So that idea of being a perfectionist, but then in leadership, that that perfectionism might kind of intimidate. Um, and you might not even be aware that it does, you know, so just even to be, to be, yeah, to be probably less of a perfectionist yourself, because as you progress, you can't do a hundred percent. You need to be thinking about other things and, and letting others do stuff, but also thinking about the impact your perfectionism has on others is, is something I think worth, worth reflecting on. Yeah. Really, really interesting book though. It sounds like, sounds like one to, to read for sure. Thanks, Rebecca. Sorry, I missed the start. You might have covered it. Um, Did they were the authors basing their writings on research, or was it on personal experience, or because, as you said, and someone said, you know, a lot of these topics can apply to different types of personality, not just men and women. So, were they? Is it based on research in the workplace? Yeah, and the part that you might have missed, John, is that. Marshall Goldsmith, who wrote What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, um, he he co-wrote it. And it was based on looking at the habits that he identified in that book, which were, in Sally's view, more geared towards men than females, and then building in the research of what are the behaviours of females um, that hold them back. So it was it was based on that, okay. from that book. No, but I can definitely see like the advice applies to everybody. Mm, it's not it's not fair us men coming in listening to your uh, great, great advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said earlier there's a cultural aspect as well because definitely if you work with US um, colleagues, I think it is more natural to just put yourself out there and put yourself forward for things um, than it might be for someone. Irish. Um, now again, that might be introvert versus extrovert. All generalisation, but and um, there can be cultural stuff as well. Um, to say, you know, that need, needs to be taken into account. Yeah, my son was five when he when we moved from the US to Ireland, and when he started in school here, the feedback was he needed to be taken down a notch <gasps> or two. Yeah, because he was quite a confident five year old. So yeah, spread mm. <laughs> in from a young age, though. Absolutely. We're the opposite then. So, you know, it's probably yeah. a happy medium. We're humble. Between. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere in between is probably the. Was there any uh, thought given to, say, industries and sectors where there'd be a largely female workforce rather than a largely male workforce? 
because you could have women who are in the minority or you could have women who are in the majority. I mean, I know even in some industries, um, from anecdotal experience, I know that the majority, like say accounting, there seems to be a lot of women in accounting, but the senior managers are all men. Uh, but there's other there's other industries where it would be other you know different. Or is the book covering a generic? Yeah, it's generic. She doesn't yeah. really refer to um, industries. Hmm. Legal fi- legal firms a bit. I think she's done a lot of work with legal firms in the US, hmm. but in general, generalization. Susan, it was an excellent summary. I think you've given us some Thanks, really Sarah. brilliant points to take away. And I mean, loads resonated. Um, and it's, it's. I guess my question for you is like, where can we go from here in making this stick and keeping it front of mind? Any suggestions for us? Well, I think it's what the first, the first suggestion that she has, like, don't feel, don't try and do everything, right? You mm. know, if even if you, the, like, absolutely, Rebecca, please go out and buy the book if you want to. But even if you don't buy the book, just resonate with something from today that I mentioned and just work on that. Mm. Um, because absolutely, as we've talked about habits in the past, like we don't want to get overwhelmed um, and there's only so much we can do. So just take one small thing that I mentioned um, and decide that that's what you're going to work on concentrate on that um again like what chris said oh well i i think that that that's a great thing to introduce you know because it it accept it allows exception uh, acceptance sorry for things that go wrong every day and rather than spending lo- lots of time beating yourself up it's oh well and then you can you can fix the problem so maybe those two that. that's the one i'm going to take away i really like that one <laughs> so simple to remember it's only two syllables very handy <laughs> this is probably the male side coming out. You're just kind of focus on that. It's nice and easy. You know, forget this big broad vision stuff. And it's okay. I'm a man. Oh well, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been reading this book and um it's very interesting. There's a there's a topic in here about the difference between men and women. And he talks about the, the brain. And he said, even brain surgeons, you know, if they're given two brains, you know, of people that are dead, obviously, <laughs> they can't do live ones yet. Well, they probably <laughs> will be able to. But even if they were alive, if you get two, two, two brains, the, the top brain guys can't tell the difference between the physical male brain and the physical female. But they're both the same size. They've both got the same makeup. They've both got the same color. Oh. So they're both exactly the same. So, you know, his book is entitled, never mind the bollocks you know where's the facts so he's trying to get into the point that just because culture says that women are different doesn't necessarily mean it's true yeah yeah so it's fascinating i mean so many of these things i i can resonate with as well and i can see i'm i want to do some of these things more the emotional intelligence side i want that it's fascinating what you said i i want to do that get the power that's the one i want (laughs) (laughs) well i'll I'll use it to my advantage It might, it might be a bit. I won't admit it. Oh no, no, no! It'll be all um, under the covers. I'll <laughs> edit that part out, Chris. Will I? Be the next <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can edit that bit, Rob. <laughs> no, fantastic. The um, season really, really good. Thank you, Chris. One other point that just come up for me that I thought was really interesting: and the twenty thousand words and seven thousand words, and I had heard that before. But getting to the point sooner rather than later there's a 
a lady, Frances Fry. I don't know if you've heard of Frances Fry. Great TED Talk um, about trust. She talks about trust. She works works in Harvard and, and worked with Uber for a while. And she created this trust triangle. And there's three sides, obviously, and each side had represented something. But one element was to get to the point in your story at the start because not just for for women but for men as well i'd say i'm pretty i'm already not getting to the point of this story but uh basically at least if you get the point across at the very start you've actually had some sort of impact in it whether you know if somebody cuts off you straight after that at least you've you've had the first say and potentially the most impactful say rather than leave your point till the end unless you're a great storyteller so i thought that was very interesting as well and that's definitely for for men and women i think um you know get the point across early yeah absolutely oh well resonated well with me as well um as i'm trying to teach my children that making mistakes is okay so what i'm doing in my example um past few months um i i was saying that okay looks like i made a mistake here i'm sorry that's fine i will improve next time let's move on and I kind of kept using a couple, of, and I, I've noticed my seven-year-old made a mistake and said, "Oh well, that's okay. I'll get better next time." And I'm like, "Okay, so so looks like that worked." Um, so I totally agree on the point. Oh well, um, because I, I've I myself and I've seen so many women just oh, I made it again, you know, uh, without actually encouraging yourself to to move on, and uh, there's always a chance to. To, to improve so that point resonated very much as well as perfectionism um it's um um this this quite often um and i certainly see on the on the projects where people have great ideas especially women and are afraid to to Put their idea forward because they're not fully sure whether it will be it will be accepted by somebody who is perhaps more extrovert, more appears to be more knowledgeable. And I only find out afterwards, after those brainstorming sessions, that actually you know they had a really great insight and they just didn't speak up. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a bravery and perfectionism. Uh, um, they they're, they're quite important. <laughs> so that's my points. Thank you, Marianne. I, I'm, I'm going to jump on the back of what a couple of people said around around the oh well, because for me that that's hugely empowering, whether whether you're male or female. And actually, if we if we could find a way to introduce that at an early age within education, mm. then potentially we we will develop some of these habits that are being suggested rather than get to whatever point we we are individually in our own lives and then start to look at what's missing or, or, or what resonates with us and I often talk about my my own childhood of you know I was the I was the kid in the class that wouldn't ask a question in case they got it wrong in front mm -hmm. of their peers because seven-year-olds as we all know are brutal in terms of how they behave with one another when somebody gets a question wrong but the danger is, and it happened to me, and, and it may well have happened to you, is you arrive in the corporate world or wherever your your career is, and you take that with you. And I, I was one of those children and probably a 7 out of 10 rather than a, a 10 out of 10 student.
But in my day, and I know it's changing, the, the feedback was always in the negative in terms of must try harder or could do better or if only Jeff could apply himself in the classroom as he does on the sports field. And I just think those two words are hugely powerful for children to then mm -hmm. accept it's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's okay to speak out. I mean, my our five-year-old talks really passionate and positive about what she's done and she she wants to show everybody at this moment in time, we're all getting loads of deliveries from the likes of Amazon or what have you. Someone rocks up at the door and she's showing them a poster of what she's done. And I'm there thinking there's bits missing or it's not quite perfect, you know, going back to the perfectionism. But actually, that doesn't matter if the language and the narrative that we put around it is, oh, well, it's not perfect, but it's beautiful or it's magical or I love that bit or that bit's brilliant or whatever it might be. I just, for me, listening to everybody and, and, you know, echoing people's thoughts around the summary, Susan, you know, that is a challenge in itself, taking a book. And, and as, as you were talking for longer and longer, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, if I ever find myself in that position, I am going to I'm going to research and do loads of work because everybody's listening intently to, to what you've shared. So I, I thank you all for, you know, what, what you've shared. And actually, going back to Susan, thank you for, for that summary because it's been brilliant. Thank you, Jeff. You're very welcome. Um, and I think there's um, spaces in a couple of weeks' time for you to do your book, Jeff. There's no problem. <laughs> we won't throw them in at the deep end. In two weeks' time, we have Ashley. I think she had agreed to do the twenty, the 9th of Feb. And then, Marianne, you're you're after that. Yeah, you're still good yeah. with that? So yeah. we're we're booked out for February. Um, <laughs> so, Jeff, you'll have a couple of sessions under your belt at that stage to... Uh, to you know prepare and go deep on the research between now and then so <laughs> it's all volunteering it's a, Nobody, it's a volunteer <laughs> effort uh, you, you're, we're never uh, we're never picking picking people out so you know anytime anyone wants to to do one more than welcome thank you yeah very good any other comments to wrap up to susan's great update and great review um, I was just thinking about this issue around it being women or men. Um, and if you kind of frame it more like the kind of more energies of the feminine and the masculine or masculine that we, but we all have a kind of a mix of both energies, if you like, and that sounds a bit woo woo, but you know what I mean? It's we're, we are all made up of a bit of both. Um, then it kind of takes away that very gendered split. Cause I do think we all, like you said, we all reflect those different qualities yeah. at different times. Square point. And I love the book. I'm definitely going to order a copy of that on Amazon when this call is over. <laughs> <laughs> Bookdepository.co. Bookdepository.com. Free delivery. Oh. Not many of you guys notice read the Kindle. Um, you usually go for the hard copies. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I find the Kindle I can copy and send to myself. Um, the passages from the book and it's it's electronically saved mm. in the folder but um uh the best the best books of all uh i i do like myself in hard copy mm. <laughs> you know and i think we were talking about this just before christmas was it the app from the library borrow box like that's a great app and it's free as well mm. um yeah, I actually looked. Do you have to have? Do you have to have a library account? Obviously, before you don't. No. No. Oh. Well, 
Oh, I don't have a library. I got it there at the last lockdown and um, it's great. Yeah, every book I've ever looked for is on it, both audio and um, in Word. Borrowbox. Is it an, it's, it's a global site, though, is it? It's not just an Irish site? No, I think it's an Irish one, Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah, just on the point you made, Mariana, just because I remember it, the, you know, when for me, when I'm reading a physical book and if I'm taking notes, I like to actually physically write down the notes or to scribble or even type it in. And it was the guy, Charles Duhigg, he had a couple of books out, one around, um, around habits, surprisingly enough. And uh, there was another one, but in that he talks about this, it's called Disfluency, where basically instead of just typing rapidly out, you switch things up by writing and it, it has a better impact of it, of it sticking. Um, mm. And it's just that more physical act of doing it. So I totally get what, you, what you're saying. But what I find if I take something from from a, a Harvard Business Review or a piece of like a, an article online and copy it across, sometimes I don't, I don't really ever go back to it then. I'm not really as engaged when, when it's just a cut and paste. But when I physically scribble, I find it more sinking in. True, I agree with you. When I was preparing for exam, um, and the last one was probably the bigger one would be the, the PMP, I, I actually had to physically have a book. I had to use the highlighter. I had to be writing down because that's how my memory works. But now I'm more in the world, okay, the piece of content that, that I am reading and I have my own um, perspective on it and I have something to add to it, I want then ultimately this be somewhere in one of my projects, whether it's, it will become the blog or it's something that I will share. And I want to park it somewhere digitally that I can quickly find. So I'm still not a pro in this, but I am researching for the past year the, the meaningful productivity and all that. And, and the systems that exist now, they're just mind-blowing, you know, the, the, the guys that I'm following. They, they literally, you know, they, any, anything they read and resonates it then um, through the app, it ends up in the right location for your current project, and, and most of them creators, um, whether it's a blog, blog, video, um, course. Um, so the, their point, um, the point of the guy that I'm actually referencing, I don't know any, anybody heard, the, the UK doctor and YouTuber and um, entrepreneur and everything else, Ali Abdul. He's grown very fast because he just the content that he gives is really, really valuable. So he's talking that when he's got stuff to do, uh, he's got time to work on his project, he, he's never starting from the blank page. It's always, he goes, okay, three current project, my digital course, my blog, my podcast, maybe preparation. And he goes straight into the nuts of what he needs to create without any distraction. I thought that blowing, you know, this type of productivity, meaningful productivity. That's why, from, for me, the, the digital route is probably the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry, I, I went on about it. It looks like I have to review this book. Um, the the make more make more time make make time. That's that's the book that I think I will be reviewing. Um, in February. I hope this, this area is also interesting to the rest of the group. Not, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Right, so make time, Rob. Sounds <laughs> I will good. I send you. Yeah, very good. 
I think we're good. So, Susan, thanks again. No, thanks. Thanks to everybody for joining. Hopefully, all those that are new will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, and on the logistics side, I think yeah. We, I think this this link deck will 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 work every two weeks, so you don't necessarily have to re-sign up just to yeah. know that this works. But um, if you lose it, you know, just re-sign up when you see it posted. We'll have more robust bouncers on the door next. <laughs> <laughs> Our first hacking. It's a, probably a sign things are going well. Yeah, gaining popularity. Exactly. Yeah. All right, I, was flicking, I was flicking madly along with my tabs saying, what am I playing? What am I playing? <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. All right. Stay, take Thank care, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Hey, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, could you please consider helping me extend the reach of the podcast that a little bit further? You can do that in a number of ways. The number one way is to subscribe on your app of choice. This helps me with the chart ranking, leading to more folks stumbling across the podcast and checking it out. You could also repost it on your social media channels. Any of them would be great. And maybe even tell a friend in person or over the phone. Pick up the phone, give them a call and tell them about the 1% Better podcast. Tell them about this episode or one that you've heard in the past. Any will do. I would really appreciate it. In the last year, we set up a 1% Better Slack community, which you can join for free. And interact with me and other members of the community and improve through holding each other accountable and sharing monthly challenges. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. I'm into season four of this incredible journey and the more of these interviews and solo shows that I research, record and share, the better I believe that they get and more loaded with actionable takeaways that you can learn from. I know I've learned so much from it so far and it's always really, really fulfilling and rewarding when I hear from you on what you took from it. So do reach out, rob at robofthegreen.ie. And of everybody that listens, 90% listen and enjoy, but only around 10% actually take action, write down takeaways and put them into practice. I am convinced that if we can move that number a bit higher, the listeners will not only make steps forward towards their goals, but they will be more fulfilled and happy and better. Change doesn't happen overnight. It is hard, but it's all about taking the first step, whatever that is for you. You can absolutely do this. Make a plan, be deliberate, take action. Don't overreach. Start with those small incremental improvements and over time you will see great progress. It's all in the pursuit of betterness. So again, thank you so much for listening. Good luck and stay safe.